to the video, to our ushers, our deacons helping to serve communion today, everybody who had a part, we thank you. On the count of three, can we say thank you to them? One, two, three. Thank you, Deke. Appreciate it. Just a few quick announcements, and then we'll go ahead and jump in. Um, don't forget that uh, Bible study is upon us, and so we've been in a three-week series called A Step Beyond, Having Faith Beyond Our Comfort Zone. And so this is a hybrid format, in person or online. Now, we will not have Bible study at noon on this upcoming Wednesday. Deacon Washington's homegoing service will be at that time. So we will have Bible study at 7 p.m. So please know at noon we will be in service for Deacon Washington, but we will have Bible study at 7 p.m. And don't forget our young adults also have Bible study at, at 8 p.m. on Thursday evenings, both in person and on Zoom. And then also on Wednesday nights, our 116 student ministries also has Bible study as well. Now, not this upcoming Wednesday, but the next Wednesday is important for us. That's the 22nd. We start our 40-day consecration. And so that is Ash Wednesday, and we go from Ash Wednesday to Good Friday, which is Friday, April the 7th. For those who are not familiar with our consecration, that is a specific time of the year where we pray, we fast, we trust God for greater things. The packet of information is going to be available starting on Wednesday. You can download it, and we encourage you to join us and invite your family members and friends. Jesus said very plainly in Scripture that there are certain things in our life that cannot be moved except by prayer and fasting. And so we're going to give you detailed instruction of what to pray for, uh, what you are trusting God for in fasting, what we're going to do during that 40-day consecration. So two things. Number one, there will be an Ash Wednesday worship service to kick off the 40 days. There'll be a time of worship, a time of prayer. I'll give a message. I'll anoint with oil. We're believing God that God's going to do great things for you in that 40-day period. And then also starting on Ash Wednesday every year, this, this is the kickoff for our Operation Bless the Community campaign. This is the official kickoff for Operation Bless the Community. And so if you're not familiar with that, this is the uh, monies that we collect, that every dollar that we collect in Operation Bless the Community goes right back out into the community. And this will be the fourth year that we have done this, and already we have raised and donated close to $200,000. So let's give God a big clap off and a praise for that. So... We're asking everyone, this is the only time you're going to hear a direct ask of me. We're asking everyone, if you're able, to sow a seed of $100 to over the course of the year. It doesn't have to be at one time. But we're going to kick that off on Ash Wednesday, which is April the 20, excuse me, February 22nd. And again, whatever we get throughout the course of the year, we're going to sow that back into our community. So again... $100 is what we're asking. It does not have to be at one time. If you want to do a little bit here, a little bit there, however you decide to do it, that's the goal. Now, that's a goal. If you can't do it, then that's fine. If you can do more than that and you want to bless the community with more than that seed, we encourage you to do that as well. So please keep that in mind as we get to February the 22nd. All right. This is Black History Month as well, so turn your attention to the screens for our Black History Month presentation.
What do two of the most important civil rights organizations have in common? Meet Ella Baker, the brilliant black woman whose ideas and careful grassroots organizing helped give birth to Dr. King's Southern Christian Leadership Conference and to the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. For this reason, Ella Baker is reverentially known as the mother of the civil rights movement. Born in Virginia in 1903, Ella Baker was educated at Shaw University before moving to New York City in 1927. By 1930, she'd started organizing. Ella Baker joined the NAACP in 1940 and helped young leaders find their voice and their leadership capacity. And one of those people was Rosa Parks, someone we all know. Ella Baker was also recruited by Martin Luther King to help run the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, which was helping to build the civil rights movement. Then in 1960, a group of black college students were denied service at Woolworth's segregated lunch counter in Greensboro, North Carolina. In an act of nonviolent protest, the students refused to leave, inspiring similar sit-ins across the South. Ella Baker left SCLC to help a group of young people form the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. I remember Miss Baker saying, many of you are from some of the quote-unquote best schools in the country, so when you go into rural areas, don't go in there thinking you're going to lead the people. Find out what the people want. When you heard Ella Baker speak, you were ready to get out there. She really wanted us to stand up and speak up and speak out. And she gave you the energy to push. You can lead, you can be somebody, you can do something. More interested in affecting change than public acclaim or financial reward, Baker inspired a generation of young Americans to risk their lives to fight racism, sexism, and white supremacy. Simply put, the mother of the civil rights movement had many children, and we are her heirs. Thank you for Brother Bill and Reverend Callie for finding that video to share with us. You know, it's important that we, we, uh, is that rain, y'all, y'all here or there? Lord, I'm going to have to preach hard today. Y'all going to be sleep up in this baby. Y'all going to make me work today, boy, I see. But it is important that we um, recognize other people than the familiar faces that we hear every year for black history. I don't know if you all know that in Florida, they have literally stripped everything away for the AP um, African-American studies course. And it is intentional in our country that people are trying to deny us the opportunity to learn about our history and heritage. So this is why it is important that we tell our stories and not just the stories of those who are familiar, but the stories of those who we may not know as well. So thank you for being able to share that story. I do want to quickly echo what Deacon Stokes said and recognize the 116 ministry because on Friday um, there was a blessing in this room to see uh, the father-daughter dinner. It was tremendous. And so I want to thank them again. I want to ask all the dads who brought their daughters, would you stand please? We can recognize you. We had a lot of fathers in the room. And so I thank you. 
uh, for being an example and being a blessing uh, to your daughters. And I also had the privilege of being here, um, and I was proud to escort Yashmir and Yanaya, and it was a blessing for me uh, to be able to do that for them. And so they are here today. Thank you for again letting me be uh, the father figure for you for that night, and uh, it was an extreme blessing. So again, shout out to 116 for that event. Now, having said that, since it's raining, everybody stand up. I got to get y'all... I got to get y'all moving. Get your phones out, please. This is Super Sunday, so we got to take some selfies as we go around and tell everybody you love them. I need, some, I need to see online a cowboy and a, and a redskin in the same picture. I, I need to see some things, and I, you know, this is how we know it's church. I, I need to see a Steeler and a cowboy, a giant and an eagle fan. I need y'all to find some folks. Go ahead and do that now. Go ahead and tell them you love them, and then get your selfie on. Tell them I'm going to love you anyway. Yeah, I need, I, I need to see a, a commander and a stealer. A, a red skin. There we go right there. A cowboy and stealer. That's what I need to see. Yeah, that's what I need to see. What's up, boy? Tell them you love them anyway. That's what I want you to say. All right, you got a few more seconds, a few more seconds. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. Four, three. Two, one, zero. All right, everybody stand, please. Everybody stand. Shh. I don't know what it is about when y'all hug people, y'all just go sit down. I don't know what that is. You got to figure that out. So listen, regardless of if you are a Steeler fan, Cowboy fan, shout out to my dad who's watching. I got to say Packer fan because he said I forget them all the time. Packers or Eagles or whoever you're rooting for today. If you're on Team Jesus, give God a big clap off of the praise. That's the team that we most want to be on. Amen. Quick announcement again, health ministry reminds me to tell you all that next Sunday is Heart Health Month. This is Heart Health Month, so we're going to wear a shade of red on next Sunday for Heart Health Month. And they're gonna be passing out apples. Apples are good for your health. And so again, Heart Health Month, next Sunday, wear 
shade of red. Having said that, turn your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 5. Verse number one. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. That's good enough. You may be seated. Thank you, babe. Put your hand over your stomach. This is how you're going to feel after you're watching the Super Bowl. Y'all going to be eating all that food. And somebody just simply say, I'm full. Yeah, I'm full. Father, thank you again for this moment. Now, if you would, please, let the words of my mouth and even the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, God. You are my strength and my redeemer. Let all of God's people say amen. Y'all know that feeling. It's the feeling right after a real good meal. You ate more than you had planned on eating. And the only thing that you can do is just to sit back from the table. You can't even get up from the table. Because you already prayed, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. Because you know you ate too much. But it's that feeling of being full. Full off of a real good meal. You sit back, close your eyes. Take a deep breath, and you can fall asleep right there at the table. And you simply say, Lord, have mercy. That was so good. That feeling of being full. Hold that thought. We're going to come back to it. This series that we're in is the Beatitudes. These are the attitudes, the behaviors that Jesus is saying to us of what kingdom citizens should be about. He starts off in Matthew chapter 5 and he, he's already blessed and prayed over people and they have followed him along and now he's at the multitudes and he starts his sermon on the mount. This sermon starts in Matthew 5, it ends in Matthew 7. All of it is about the kingdom and the difference between the kingdom and the world. And he starts off his sermon with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now remember, these beatitudes are like steps. You can't get to the second one until you get the first one down. You can't get to the third one until you get the first two down. And this, these Beatitudes also, family, are a representation or a reflection of how we should be progressing in our relationship with God. So in other words, we all ought to see ourselves as we move forward in these Beatitudes. Or we have to be able to say, I'm not there yet, or I need to get there, or that's my next step. But these are progressive in nature. So Jesus starts off on the first one. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And poor in spirit 
is me and you coming to realize who we are and what we are capable of. What we really can do and what we really cannot do. How our education and our intelligence and our money and our fame and all the things that the culture tells us makes us successful. We come to realize that there are certain stages of my life, certain moments of my life where those things can't help me like I thought they could. Those things can't make me like I thought they could. And we come out of the culture and into God and what we recognize is that what God is asking us to do, there's nothing in the culture that can help us with that. So I have to come to the realization that if the only way that I can do what God has called me to do, I need the spirit of God to help me to achieve the purposes that God has for my life. So that's a switch of how I see the world. In the culture, as long as I got money, I'm good. As long as I got a job, I'm good, a house, and don't get me wrong, those things are fine. But let me ask you a question. If you lying on your back in the hospital, what you driving in that moment ain't going to matter. You need to call on a name that is above every name. And there are moments in our life that God has to remind us it is not your stuff, it is not your education, it is not your background, your family name, your blood type, wherever it is that you live. There are certain moments of your life that you can't do without me. And we have to realize that. We don't come to church so that God can bless what we do. We have to come to church to realize, God, I can't do it without you. That's the first step, y'all. And if y'all don't get that step, church ain't going to be meaningful. You'll just be coming out of the ritual and the habit of coming. Your walk with God won't go any further. You have to start with the place, I can't do this by myself. I need help. And asking for help and admitting that you need help is counter to the culture that we come out of. Because in the world, you can't pretend to be soft or weak because you think that people will take advantage of you. But in the kingdom, God, I can't do this without you. The next one then is, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So if the first one is, I got to come to the realization of who I am and what I'm capable of, then the next one is the response to that realization. I have to come to terms that I can't do it by myself because sin teaches me that I can do it without God. But once I realize what sin is doing in my life, how sin is jacking up relationships and how sin is wrecking our communities and how sin is messing up the world. The response to that ought to be, I should be brokenhearted. I should be grieving over what I see in the world. I should be hurt because sin is doing such a number on people that they don't even realize how devastating it is. And my response should be, Lord, I'm sorry. Blessed are those who mourn when we try to do it without God. 
And truth be told, many of us can look back over our life before we got saved, and we know that we tried to do a whole lot of stuff without God. You ain't got to say it, man. I already know it's true because part of the reason why we are here today, some of you, is because you tried to do so much without God, you made it worse. And now you're here to God because God, I need you to fix what I messed up. So when do we get to the place where we say, God, I'm sorry because sin did that. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What is the comfort? The comfort is, is that when I acknowledge what sin is doing in my life, when I acknowledge how sin has messed up things around me and in the community and the nation and the world, he promises to give me comfort. He promises to give me another chance to get it right. And aren't you glad about that? Because in the church, we talk about God giving us a second chance. He ain't on nobody's second chance in here. He's on the 1,189,257th chance that he's given to all of us. Can somebody pause and say, thank you, Lord, for giving me one more chance. I messed up yesterday more times than I count, but you woke me up again today, and I thank you that you gave me one more. Ain't no second chances up in here. No, no, no. It's too many to count. So the second one is I come to the... I respond, y'all, to the realization. I need help. I now recognize what sin has done in my life, and, and it's messed me up, and I'm grieving over the fact of what I did. And now I can see it in other people, how relationships are wrecked because of sin, and communities are destroyed because of sin, and our world is corrupt because of sin. And it should cause us to grieve. Then we get to the next one which is what we covered last week, and the next one is, again, a continuation of the first two. Blessed are the meek, because the meek shall inherit the earth. So now that I have mourned sin, now that I understand its devastation, and now I am brokenhearted over it, it should cause me to react to you differently. Blessed are the meek. Meek means to be gentle, means to be content, means to be satisfied, means to be filled. Blessed are the meek, gentleness is now the response to how I should treat you. Shouldn't be harsh with you. Shouldn't be abrasive with you. I should treat you gently. So we still got a lot of sandpaper saints in the house though. You still got a lot of grit on you. Still rough around the edges. And God is saying that if you really want to walk with me, you got to get rid of some of that grit because the people that you edgy with ain't do nothing to you. As a matter of fact, God could have sent one of them to help you. But who want to help somebody that got sandpaper all the time? I'll keep my blessing to myself. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, why would we want to inherit the earth? Because the earth is corrupt, is sin-filled. No, this is the earth that God intended before all that came. And in Psalm 37, verses 10 and 11, the Bible says, that David says that um, the meek shall inherit the earth, and the earth shall be a place of peace and prosperity. 
That's what the earth is supposed to be all along, a place where all of us can get along and find joy in one another's company, a place where we ain't comparing ourselves to one another because God blesses everybody, and I know if he blesses you, that means I'm next in line. It's a place where I ain't got to be fighting with you and fussing with you. Ain't no fussing and cussing and all that kind of craziness because we get along. That's what the place of the earth that God intended for us to be all along, and a place of prosperity. Lord, have mercy. Prosperity isn't just money, y'all. Prosperity means you got everything that you need need in order to live a life that is pleasing to God. Prosperity is your health. You have all the money in the bank but can't walk. What kind of life is that? You want to make sure that you got a life of prosperity. And he says that the meek, those who are gentle, those who are content, those who are satisfied, those are the ones that will inherit the earth. Check this out. You inherit the earth based on how you treat people. Now I'm to the next one. And today, y'all, is the game changer. It's the game changer today. If you're ready, somebody say, let's go. (laughs) Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The first one is, I got to realize that I need help. The second one is I got to respond to how sin is wrecking my life. The third one is now I got to react differently in how I treat people. But this one is the one that changes it all. It is a known scientific fact, family, that you can only live a few weeks to a month, a little bit longer, depending on your situation, without food. It is also known in a scientific fact that you can only live days, three days at the most, without water. What we know to be true is that if you live a prolonged period of time without food, you become malnourished. And if you live a prolonged period of time without water, you become dehydrated. Both of them can lead to serious illness and or death. But put that aside, we know that hunger and thirst, even in the casual sense, can impact our whole day. Wake up in the morning, and you ain't ate for the night before. Don't tell me you ain't going to work cranky. Stomach growling. All kinds of stuff. It's hard to focus. This is why it's hard for kids who try to go to school and they haven't eaten the night before. How are they going to pay attention? Because they're hungry. And it is known that whenever our body gives us the urge to want to eat or to want to drink, it is our natural inclination to go find whatever that is. And when we can't find it, it makes us even more nervous or whatever the case might be. And we want to go and find out how can we fill this void. Now, here's what you need to understand, though. Uh, hunger and thirst are natural body urges. Watch this, y'all. It tells you that you are healthy. You are sick when you lose your appetite. When you have no longer the desire to eat or drink, that is a sign that there's disease or something wrong in your body because your body is conditioned every day to have something to eat 
And so every day we spend a majority of our time trying to find something to eat or something to drink to satisfy the natural, healthy urges of our body. Food and water. But Reverend Person, food and water ain't the only things that we crave. Some of us crave sex. That's a natural urge too. But God gave us instructions on how to take care of that. And could it be that some of us are here today because that urge that we filled was with the wrong one? We hunger and thirst. For sex. We also hunger and thirst, some of us, for drugs. Don't get quiet on me now. Listen, let me just say this. Ladies, why now I had this conversation? I know it's legal now, but can I just drive down the interstate? <laughs> this is all I want to do. I just want to drive down 64 minding my own business and not have anybody pass me and now weed is in my car because I ain't got it in my, I just, I just. Thank y'all for letting me share that. I just want to keep my scent in my car and you keep your scent in your car. Some of us hunger and thirst for weed, cocaine, for all other drugs, because maybe there's a pain that we're trying to numb. And the only way we can numb this pain is we gotta smoke, inhale, or ingest something that's not good for our body. Reverend E, some of us also hunger and thirst for alcohol. Start your morning with it. Get a little nip at lunchtime. <laughs> little nip. We, we, we hunger and thirst for power. Food and water ain't the only things that we crave. If I can't be the head of the ministry, I can't be in it. Because I ain't good at following. I got to be the leader or I'm gonna take my ball and go home. Mm -hmm. Some of us hunger and thirst for money. Wake up with it on our mind. Got my mind on my money. (laughs) 
And most of the time is spent with you thinking about how to get it and make more of it. This is why scripture said money is not the root of evil. It's the love of money. Because the love of money is what compels us to even walk away from God sometimes to chase the dollar. You know what else we're also craving? I done gave you a list of sex and drugs and alcohol and power. Mm -hmm. We also, some of us, crave attention. You got to be the center of everything. Everything got to revolve around you. And if not, then you'll make something up to bring the attention to you. Because you crave all eyes on you. Hmm. And you know what else we crave, Lady Swan? People don't want to admit it. We crave control. Mm-hmm. It's got to be my way. You got to do it like I say do it. Follow the exact steps of how I do it. And if you don't, it ain't right. And we bring that mentality even to the house of God. So if you don't do it like I do it, you're going to say God ain't, ain't even going to bless you. Because it's got to be your way. Now notice this, all of the things that I mentioned are the things that the culture says we should crave. More sex, more drugs, more alcohol, more power, more attention, more money, more control. And here is what we discover, why some of us ended up in church. The more you chase that, the more you get it, the more you want. And it's never enough. So you got caught up in the cycle. I got a little bit of money, now I want more. Now I got more, I want more than that. And as I got more than that, I want more than that. And now the cycle has started and now it's over and over and over again. Had a little bit of sex, want more. Had one person, want two. This is what society says. Want two people, want three. And then you get the cycle, got that, got that, and it's never enough. And this is how we come to church. With the mentality of there are so many things in the culture that has filled us up with the wrong stuff. The wrong definition of sex. How drugs and alcohol impact our body, the money and how we should handle it, our attitudes and, and the things that we crave. All of this stuff we bring to the church and then we try to mix it in with God. And God says, here it is. If you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed, blessed are those who crave righteousness. Ooh. I told you this is the game changer. 
Righteousness. I don't crave money. I don't crave things. I crave righteousness. And righteousness here is repentance. This is what repentance looks like. This is what walking with God looks like. This is what being a child of God looks like. This is how I know I'm growing in Christ. Because what is righteousness? Righteousness in the text is the act of doing what God simply wants me to do. So watch this, y'all. Here's how I know I'm growing in Christ. When the only thing I want is to hear him say, well done. The only thing I want is to know what God wants for my life and execute what God wants me to do. Because when I do that, I know that the blessings are going to come after me if I follow in his will first. That I know I'm not waking up first thing in the morning chasing money and chasing skirts and chasing drugs and chasing alcohol and trying to be the man or trying to be the woman. I wake up in the morning and say, Lord, first of all, thank you for letting me put two feet on the ground. Now that you've allowed me to do that, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to represent you today? How do you want me to give you glory today? How do you want me to serve today? Because I hunger and I thirst. And I'm sad to say, Minister Underwood, there are a lot of people who go to church, but they don't hunger for this. This is why it's the game changer. We hunger and thirst for the things of the world and then ask God to bless more of that. Now, God says... I want you to be happy with what it is that I am asking you to do. And when you get to that place where you know that wherever God is, that's where I want to be. That's how you know you've changed in this walk with God. Here's what David said in Psalm 42. He said, as the deer panted for the waters, so my soul Longs for you, oh God. As the deer got to go to the brook to get water, I know that if three days I can't have water in the same way for my soul, I can't go that long, God, without you talking to me. I can't go that long, God, without you speaking into my life. I can't go that long, God, because if you don't speak to me, I'm going to go right back to doing what I used to do, and I'm trying to do this thing the right way. So, God, I long for you. I crave you. I need you to be with me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what God has for us. Now, give me a minute to do a two-minute Bible study because I need y'all to understand something about the word righteousness. The word righteousness implies two things. I need y'all to understand this. The word righteousness implies two things. The first thing that it implies is our standing or position with God. Somebody say position. Our position with God. Uh, uh, Sister Porter, you read in prayer time today, 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. But if you went down to the next verse, I'm going to read that one to you here. Because this is what describes us as believers in our position with God. It says 2 Corinthians 5, 21, but he who is Christ, who knew no sin, became sin, Lord have mercy, that we might become, you ready for this? The righteousness of God in him. 
This is the first thing when it talks about righteousness. It is by position. In other words, the moment you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, at that moment, God declared you righteous. How is that possible, Pastor? Because all the stuff I done done, and I'm still wrestling with some stuff, and I'm still doing all that kind of stuff, because by position, he declared you righteous. This is why we can come in here and shout, well, how does he declare me righteous? Because he who didn't know sin came to the earth to be sin for you and I. And he died and he was resurrected on the third. So that anybody who believes in him, now we are connected to him. So now when Jesus, uh, when God, uh, let me see if this makes sense. Come on up here, Reverend E, real quick. Minister Underwood, come on up here real quick. Because y'all looking at me like I got two heads. I ain't got two heads. Uh, y'all looking at me sideways. So, so Minister Underwood represents God, okay? He represents God. Come on over here, Minister E, on this side for me, please. So before we get saved, it is like this. Um, it is God, it is me, and it is Christ. Okay? So when we sin before salvation, God sees all of my stuff. But he who knew no sin became sin, which meant that when I gave my life to Christ, he now steps between us. <sighs> Turn that way. So now, because I am connected to Christ uh, because of my salvation, now when God looks at me, uh, he don't see me first. Uh, he sees that I am in him. And because I am in him, now he sees Christ that is in me. He who knows no sin became sin that I might be righteous. I ain't righteous on my own. I'm righteous because I'm connected to Christ. And when God sees me, he don't see me by myself. He sees the Christ in me. And that is how you and I can be declared righteous. Even if you messed up last night, he still sees righteousness. Even if you didn't get it right last night, he still sees righteousness. I need five people that want to thank God for the fact that how many times, how many times I messed up, didn't get it right. He still sees me in. Now, I need some folk that really thank God because you're looking back over your life and you know how many times you have messed up. But because I'm in him, thank y'all, he sees me as righteous. And I need y'all to understand that because this is where we struggle because the enemy wants to remind you of all the stuff you've done wrong. And the answer is you're right. We have done a lot of stuff wrong. But when I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead, God now doesn't look at Kevin. He looks at the Christ in Kevin. And now because of that, I am declared righteous by position. But then there's the second part of righteousness. The second part is that we are, we are called to be righteous not only in position, but in practice. 
In other words, God says, because I see Christ in you, I'll forgive you. But I still expect you to live like I see you. So you don't get a pass to do whatever you want because I have already declared you righteous. Now it is your responsibility to live how I already see you. That's the practice. That's what it means to be holy. This is what it means to be sanctified. This is what it means to walk with God. That I live in a manner that pleases what God requires of me because he already saw that in me up front. So now the question is, well, if I'm to live out righteousness, then what does God require of me? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing or practicing that shows God that I am walking in the way that he already sees me by position? First answer is it is not coming to church alone. Second answer is, it is not just joining a ministry alone. There are a lot of demons that come to church. There are a lot of demons in ministries. That is not the first level of requirement that God has for you. In the Old Testament, small little book, this is why every word of God counts. In the book of Micah, small little book, one of the minor prophets, Micah is known for two things. One is predicting that Jesus or prophesying that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And he answers this question. Can you put it on the screen for me, please? I want them to see it. The answer is right there on the screen. He has shown you, all mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? What is it that we should be doing that we should be hungering and thirsting for that makes us in the right standing with God? I love the Bible because it answers itself. There are three things we're called to do and to crave. Number one, we are to act Justly. What does that mean? Justice is the equivalent of fairness. Justice is if it goes for one, it ought to go for all. The challenge in our country is that we don't have justice. Because in our country, what goes for a majority group does not always work for the minority group which is why we have injustice. God said, I require you to act justly. Treat everybody the same. So if you're going to love one, you better love everybody. If you're going to be kind to one, be kind to everybody. Treat everybody the same. 
That's what the Lord requires of you. To act justly. Not just the people in your clique. Don't just smile to the people that you come in here that you know. You say hello to the people you know. And walk right past the people you don't know. That is injustice in the house. So if I'm going to love one, I'm going to love all y'all. Regardless of how you treat me. So if you still got some sandpaper saints in you, I'm still going to have to love you. Because what God requires of us is to be just, to treat everybody the same. You know what Jesus did? He went to great lengths to love people who the Jews said he shouldn't love. Come here, Samaritan woman. He wasn't supposed to talk to her, but he went there anyway. Come here, woman caught in adultery. She was supposed to die. He stood up for her. He treated everybody the same. So if you only treat people that you like better, people that you want to get stuff from better, people that you think are you're aspiring to be like, so you give them more of your positivity, but you give trash to the one that you don't think so highly of. You ain't acting justly. The second one is that we are to love mercy. Mercy here in this context is linked to understanding and being sensitive to the needs of others. Somebody's hurting. They don't deserve that. I'm going to give them mercy. Try to help them alleviate some of the needs in their life. You know why? Because there's going to come a time. I'm going to need somebody too. So who are you helping? If you came in here and the only needs that were on your mind today are your own, you don't love mercy. This is what the Lord requires. That we are compassionate and empathetic to the needs of others. This is why I say, and Deacon Stokes confirmed it, everything we need is what? Because if we loved mercy, if somebody over here needs something, in all likelihood somebody over here can help them. And that's what God designed the church to be all along. We don't need to go in the world per se we got it right here. Sister Melanie, stand up for me, please. Sister Melanie. Yeah, Sister Melanie, right there. I know I'm putting her on the spot. So y'all know my dad had surgery. 
on his shoulder, right? So doctor says, you got to go to physical therapy after the surgery. Cool. We had no idea who the physical therapist was that was going to show up at our house. She rings the doorbell. She's in the house. When my mother and father realized that she was a member of Ivy, it made their fears and things go down. Because they're not dealing with a stranger. They're dealing with a family member in the house of God. I'm trying to help y'all understand that when we do this right and you love mercy, everything we need is right here. But it don't work if you're selfish. It don't work if you're just coming in here and it want to be about you. We are to act justly. We are to love mercy. And the last one, put it back up so they can see it. We are to walk humbly with our God. Humble humility is the same as last week, meekness. What does the Lord require of you? Treat everybody right or the same. Be sensitive to the needs of other people. And when you're walking with God, don't act like you got it all together. That's what the Lord requires of you. That is what he says is what leads us to being righteous because when I walk humbly with God that means I'm not telling God what to do I'm asking him to show me what I need to do and here it is y'all and I'm done because y'all got to get your snacks ready for the day and a little nip in Jesus name And I pray that when you take that nip, you remember this right here. You had the party. <laughs> oh, pastors. <laughs> I ain't thinking about him. Get him, spirit. Yeah. <laughs> Blessed are those who don't crave drugs, alcohol, power, money, attention, control, but they crave acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God. What do you get for this? You shall be filled. <laughs> I think about 20 of y'all got this. Notice the contrast. When I chase stuff out there, it never fills me. I'll be good for a day, a month. I get a car, I'm good for a month or two, and then I get tired of the payment. 
So I'm chasing constantly the things in the culture. But when I chase him, I think I got five people that understand what I just said. When I get so full of God, I ain't got to have the stuff of the world. I can sit in my one bedroom and close my eyes and take a deep breath and say, Lord, I thank you for everything that you've given me. I ain't got what everybody else got. I don't even need it. I just know that I got you. And since I got you, that's enough. I ain't got to feel worthy anymore if I don't, or unworthy anymore if I don't have on a certain brand. I don't have to feel unworthy if I'm not driving a certain car. I can be filled because God is showing me I'm the best thing that's ever. Lord, I need five people that can believe that. I might not have everything. But I know he's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And when I hunger for him and what he desires and requires of me, he'll give me the desires of my heart. Come on, praise team. We got to get out of here. Yeah, we got to get out of here. Listen, there's no filling in this life that can fill you completely. Notice what Jesus said, you shall be filled. Guess what? That's it. Now that you need to continue to be, and I know there's a filling of the spirit, that's a different conversation. But what he's saying is, is that when you chase what I require, watch this, and now you get so full of me, even your prayer life changes. How does it change? Because instead of me praying for Lord bless me with this and Lord bless me with that, here's how I start praying when I'm filled. Lord, however you want to bless me. However, whenever, with whomever you want to do it, I'll be satisfied. So therefore, he always gives us the desires of our heart. Because when we pray now, being filled we pray for the things that we want God to bless us with anyway. This is repentance. This is what it means to walk with God. This is what it means when we come to church. God, take the stuff out of me that can't really satisfy me. That only satisfies me temporarily. And replace in me the thing that's going to satisfy me 24-7, 365 days. And how much longer are we in the church going to still feel like there's things out there that can satisfy us more than God? There is no other that can satisfy you. You eat, you're going to want to eat again. You get one job, you're going to want another. You get one level of pay, you're going to want to hire. You get one house, you're going to want another. I ain't never met nobody, me, never, maybe you have, I've never met a person in my life that say, you know what, 
I'm good, man. I got all this money. I'm good. That's not how we're built. We're built to want more. And God says, I am the only one that can satisfy the deepest urges of your life. If you chase what I ask of you, you'll be good. I ain't got to have a power. I can serve in ministry and be in the back and just be just as happy as I want to be. I ain't got to have control over everything because I know God is in control. And I know that the answer to my sorrow and grief and hurt ain't in the back of a blunt or the bottle of the bottom of a bottle. Y'all stand, please. Fill me up. Till I overflow. I want to run. That's what y'all want. Come on. Fill me up. Till I. Sing it, feel me. To righteousness. I want to run. Voice, come on, team. Feel me. Feel me till I, till I, I want to run. Listen, we got too many people in the house that's still chasing things that will never satisfy you. Your completeness is not in a boo. It is not in the things. Your completeness is in him. And if you chase him and what he asks for, you will get everything we need right there. Fill me up. Fill me up. Till I, till I overflow. I want to run. I want to run over. I want to run over. Listen, 
We're going to end right here. There might be somebody here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ in person or online. I'm telling you now, you will never be satisfied with the things of this world. Jesus makes the statement, if you come to me and you chase the things that I desire of you, you will have everything you need. You'll be filled. Even if you don't have all the stuff out there, you'll still be filled. That's the promise on the table. If you don't have a church home or you haven't accepted Christ, you can make your way forward when service ends. If you are watching online, you can also join us. Text the at sign, join Ivy, send it to 81010. If you need prayer, because maybe there's something that you're craving that you know is not where God wants you to be and you need to help for God to break that craving in your life so that you can seek him for all and with everything you got. I'm going to ask the intercessors to come forward as well. We're going to pray for those who need that prayer as well. Now, God, we thank you for being with us today. Thank you for the reminder and the correction that, God, there's nothing outside in the culture that will ever completely satisfy us, but only you. And so, God, may your grace, your peace, and your power keep and sustain us all. In Jesus' name, everybody say, I'm full. God bless you. Hug on somebody before you leave. I want to run. The AVI Educators Ministry needs your input. Please take a moment to scan the QR code and complete a quick survey so we can better serve your educational needs and questions. QR code will be available at the member relations table after service. Women of Ivy. Thanks for your RSVP for our fellowship tomorrow, Monday, February the 13th at 6 p.m. See you there. Parents and youth, free tutoring is available by appointment. Email christianed at ivybaptistchurch.org for more information. One thing that's true about Ivy is that we don't just love God, but we also love God's people and our community. We have started an initiative called Operation Bless the Community. And since we started it, we have raised almost $150,000. And all of the resources are going right back out into our community so our community and our families can be better. We're going to do it again this year. We want your support. Any donation of any amount that goes to Operation Bless the Community will go out into the communities that we serve to make our place better for everyone. We want everybody to win around here. 
So please, why don't you consider giving a donation to Operation Bless the Community? Any size, any amount, all of it will go toward blessing our community and helping those in need. We appreciate in advance your support. Calling all K through 12 Ivy Achievers and parents. Please email your first and second quarter report cards to Christian Ed at ivybaptistchurch.org by February the 26th. Couples, get your tickets for the Val Keepers Valentine's Masquerade Ball on Saturday, February the 18th from 6.30 to 9 o'clock p.m. Semi-formal event at Spring Hill Suites in Hampton. Cost per couple is $75 until February the 12th. Save the date Saturday, February the 25th for our annual Black History Breakfast and Play. The theme this year is Making Black History, Taking It to the Streets. Tickets are $15. Get yours today and on-site and online. Last but not least, mark your calendars for March the 12th. We will be celebrating Pastor and Lady Swan's 17th pastoral anniversary. Our community outreach ministry will be supporting the homeless community at a port site in March. We are collecting a variety of items to help them with basic needs. The list is available on our website and in our foyer. Please donate your items by Sunday, March the 12th. 